Kia ora and welcome to Jules from NZ, a weekly podcast chocker with all things Aotearoa New Zealand and some about me, Jules. Cheer. Treasures from the vault. Blackbird singing in the dead of night. Take these broken wings and learn to fight. Oh, your life. You were only waiting for this moment to rise. Sadly, many of New Zealand's native birds are in crisis. Two thirds of our birds here are threatened with extinction. And we do something every year in order to celebrate our unique birds and give them all a voice to raise awareness for them, their habitats and the threats they face. With so many species in danger, you can imagine they need all the recognition they could get. So in this environment of desperation, in a place with deep connection to the life around us and surrounded by people known for coming up with innovative solutions. Te mana ronga nui o te tau, or Bird of the Year, was born. It's been running since 2005, and every year people campaign for their favourite birds, encouraging voting with hilarious methods, and in the process, educating the country and generating funds to help. Anyone can actually become a bird's campaign manager, a particular bird you can choose, attempting to get it noticed as much as possible so that it generates donations that may actually help extend the species numbers and pull them out of decline. It's kind of a fun way to deal with a growing and terrible situation. We have 168 bird species in New Zealand, but not all of them make the running for bird of the year. Basically, that's because it widens the pool a bit much to really focus fire on on the struggles of the more needy species because some of those bird species aren't in as much trouble as the others. So, how does it work? Well, you select your top five birds for Bird of the Year 2019 and calculate uh, votes are calculated in a runoff system um, looking for not just the one with like the most votes but with the majority of the votes so it's a pretty expensive process and um, it's a big deal to be crowned bird of the year so who's won it before well we've had 14 winners since 2005's first voted champion um, which was the Tui by the way and one of my personal favorites also Every year, so far, a different bird has won. But being a past winner does not actually take you out of the running to win it again. So this could very well be the year that a repeat winner is selected. If you've been following along in logical order with the numerical order with the podcast episodes of mine already, you'll know a few of the birds. Um, The ones illustrated on the New Zealand currency. So... Let's look at some of them. Have some of them been winners before? The Mahua, that little yellow canary on the $100 note, won in 2013. Go Mahua. 
The Kokako, uh, featured on the $50 note, actually won in 2016. The Kare the New Zealand Falcon, um, featured on the $20 note, won in 2012. The Feel, featured on the $10 note, that's the Blue Duck, has never won, sadly. And neither has the Hoi Ho, featured on the $5 note, that little yellow-eyed penguin. That's never won either. Neither has the Kotoku on the $2 coin. Not really surprising that Kotoku hasn't won. Not as endangered as some of the other types, so maybe nobody's really paying it too much attention because of that. Um, and also, did I just say $2 note? I meant $2 coin. Anyway, uh, and the Kiwi on the $1 coin won in 2009. Although it doesn't actually say on the website, and I can't remember if it was a particular type of Kiwi, because now we've actually separated out our Kiwis into the different types of Kiwis that we actually have. So... Who knows which one won? Um, voting on this year's 2019 Bird of the Year actually opened at 9 a.m. on Monday the 28th of October, which is today, the day I'm recording this. So that was pretty exciting today. Um, and it closes on midnight at Sunday, 10th of November. So I encourage you to get over to the website and learn all about the candidates so that you can actually vote for your favorite as well. And the website is as easy as www.birdoftheyear.org.nz. So go check it out. So the winners of the last two years, pretty important that you also maybe know that. Uh, the 2017 winner was the Kia. Uh, the Kia is somewhat endangered. So not seriously endangered, but still, you know, got its own struggles. The Kia is is actually quite well known. There's there's quite a lot of children's literature about mischievous green parrot that the Kia is because it's known for like shredding whatever it can get its beaks on, you know? Lots of people visiting New Zealand going up tramping huts and stuff have a story about that time a Kia tried to like eat their camera after posing so prettily for a photo. Um, they're just hugely curious and they have pretty hilarious attitudes. So that's the Kia. Uh, in 2018, the Kareru uh, won. Uh, again, somewhat endangered, not seriously endangered, um, but they are beloved and so beautiful. They are big, pudgy, beautiful birds um, with purple and green feathers with these big white bellies they're super distinctive um sort of like a wood pigeon kind of thing um kind of look and honestly the campaign manager of this bird made an enormous effort last year to win and is making double the effort <laughs> to win again this kareru is everywhere um with some serious parliamentary support actually already garnered in one day which is pretty impressive um, it may be the only bird in history to not only get elected, like, again, but also consecutively, which would be just nuts. So, who am I voting for? Well, I can tell you that, because it's actually encouraged that we share who our votes are for, and even campaign for our favourites. So, I'm going to tell you in order of 5th 
to first because you do actually vote for them in a ranked order. So you pick your top one and then work your way down. So number five, I have voted for the Kareru. I know that they won last year and was such a great push. It's not really like they need more attention kind of compared to some of the others, but that's also kind of a reason to vote for them in itself to make history, you know, with such a huge following on the campaign trail and real dedication to the people with its slogan um, selected as Kareru, the people's bird. It's just really hard to look past them, you know, but the real reason I voted for the Kareru the real secret reason that I'm now telling you guys is that they're the only birds that I know of that sometimes get so drunk on fermented berries that they actually fall out of their tree. Like, they're drunk so they fall off their branch. Uh, amazing. And totally worth my vote. No regrets. Um, so number four is the little spotted kiwi. Uh, because I just had to vote for one of the kiwis and this one's my favourite. It's such a cutie with its soft grey feathers and absolute dedication to its partners. And they duet with their partners. They, they swing sweet duet love songs with the one that they love when they're looking for each other and communicating. And that's so romantic. And also they're seriously, seriously endangered. And I talked a little bit about um, one of their breeding grounds in the currency episode. So uh, they definitely got my vote because of that. The Tui. I already said that the Tui is one of my personal favourites and having one the very first bird, um, I love it. I love it so much. It's this gorgeous black feathered bird, um, sort of crow-like, sort of not, um, but it has this bald tuft of white like that sits under its beak. It's just like a little white ball. Um, they love ko-fi trees and I used to have one outside my window at one of my old houses and I just love watching them flit around. I never went out there though because when they're super worked up they've actually got a pretty mean temper like super feisty birds. They have um, what's really incredible about them is they have two voice boxes and can actually mimic human speech as well as other bird calls so they're like the cover singer of the bird world um which is like just really speaking to me as a cover singer myself so um they're only somewhat endangered but they still deserve our love as far as i'm concerned so that was my number three number two is the new zealand falcon got my vote um the new zealand falcon the career uh can clock 230 kilometers per hour that's fast um and it can catch prey mid-flight um as i've mentioned before it's sitting on the 20 dollar note so go get yourself some currency and have a look at it they have an amazing social media campaign already in action as well go check out the millennial falcon party on instagram for some really good laughs um they taught me about how sexist the kakapo can be with a meme um and everybody knows that memes are the utter truth so uh i believe it wholeheartedly and um that's mostly the reason they got my vote um super good social media well done the millennial falcon party um they're in the somewhat endangered state um not super again but like you know 
still deserving of our love and our attention. Number one. Okay, drum roll, please. Yes, I did just bang on my desk. Uh, the hoi ho, uh, one of the rarest penguins in the world. And I did talk about this in my last episode because I love them. Um, with only 1,700 breeding pairs remaining and they refuse to breed in captivity, this means that they are hugely, hugely needing our help. Um, if things continue as they are, they will be extinct in 10 to 20 years, which is terrifying. So raising public awareness is crucial in helping their survival. So that's why they made the top of my list. Also, they're adorable. And you can actually see um, the yellow-eyed penguin in the movie Farce of the Penguin. It's a 2007 parody movie of March of the Penguins made by Bob Saget. And it's actually narrated by Samuel L. Jackson and got some pretty serious voices on it. Um, And you should definitely go check that out to see the cutie cutie that is the yellow-eyed penguin. Um, You can actually follow them on Twitter as well at VoteHoiHo, which is H-O-I-H-O. Um, and I'm apologizing again if I've said that wrong. Um, pretty sure I got that one right, but who knows? So that is that is my votes. And so after hearing that, you can either vote like I did or vote in argument to me. I would be keen for any of that. Just go vote and go talk about it. Hashtag bird of the year is um, trending right now, and I think you should go help it. Um, what do you need to vote? Just an email address and some time to learn about all the wonderful birds. Go visit the website, I'll say it again, www.birdoftheyear.org.nz and go learn about our birds and love them. Um, If you're interested in other ways that you can obviously help the native birds of the year, not just by a trending hashtag, you can actually make a donation from this website to help us protect them. You could join Forest and Bird or you could get involved with one of the local branches as an actual volunteer. Maybe set up a trapping a trapping program in your own backyard um, to help with the pest situation that plagues uh, native birds. There is a huge list of things that you could do, lots of them on the website, so go check that out as well. Our biggest treasures is our flora and our fauna, and I just can't say enough about how it's so important to look after these beauties before we lose them forever. News Nuggets. Okay, so the nuggets this week are all to do with normalizing female body functions and enabling us ladies to have more control. I think it's awesome about some of the things that have happened recently, and I just wanted to share a couple of these things with you. One, long-term medical contraception implants called JDS and Marina have been funded by the government. For me, that was really exciting news. Um, My JDS, which is for like four years of contraceptive, costs $500 to be implanted, and that's just the instrument, not the visits 
Um, I qualified luckily for one free device due to having my pretty serious medical condition, but I was going to have to pay for the next one when it runs out. And now I'll be able to actually afford to pay for really good contraception. And so will others. And that's a massive game changer for those of us who are too broke to be able to afford contraception, which leads to its own unique problems. Um, another one is kind of related to that. Um, Libra, uh, maker of sanitary pads, ran some ads on TV recently using pads with a red liquid instead of the usual blue. The whole point of the ads were to normalize periods, breaking down the stigma around them being something to be embarrassed about. Um, because that's ridiculous. They happen to all women, basically. Um, and we just shouldn't be embarrassed about something that happens to our body, which is part of the beauty of childbirth. Like, it's just so dumb to be um, embarrassed about all of this and not talk about it. So in the ads, red liquid is poured on the pad and some is seen trickling down a lady's leg while she's in the shower. Ooh, scandalous. Um, and the ads literally say, why is it considered unacceptable to show period blood? Periods are normal. Showing them should be too. It's what the ad very clearly says. Um, they received a few complaints because people do love to complain. In Australia, about 600 people um, complained, making it the most complained about this whole year. Uh, in New Zealand, it was only two and they were investigated and thrown out, saying um, that the commission that investigated it thought also that it was an important social message and a part of everyday life which we should be able to talk about, which makes me yas so hard for all of that positive message about that our bodies are okay. Yay! Go NZ! There is so much RPG and there is so little time, but I am really doing my best to try and do all of it, apparently. <laughs> um, lately this week, I've been part of a live show by Diceratops, uh, where my character Mascara Stormfire returned to uh, put the party together and um, tackle a haunted house for Halloween, and I love live shows. Being on stage with uh, talented improvisers in front of an audience that gives you instant reactions while doing RPG is such a buzz. You know, the whoops of joy when a blow connects, the groans when a new pun is dropped, and the gasps when the twists in the stories are revealed. I love it all, and I'm such a lucky lady that this is a part of my life and something that I get to do. Um, and you guys um, can all listen to this if you go follow at Diceratops, uh, where they will be putting out um, these live shows as podcast episodes, as well as some bonus content with mini episodes where we interview each other and other people and answer questions and stuff. It's a bunch of fun to be involved with such a an incredible crew um, which perform out of right here Wellington NZ I am so lucky oh my goodness 
Um, another way I have been lucky recently is um, the role-playing guys had me as um, their guest on their finale episode of learning the RPG system, Corporea. And that, again, was such a thrill to be with just a truly talented group um, and a podcast that I've listened to for ages now and, and actually a Patreon sponsor for. Um, so, wow. Um, learning a new system was really scary and I was kind of terrified I was going to mess it up and look like a real dummy in front of people I've been listening to for so long but they were amazing at walking me through it all and just guiding me through the play and there's giant sections of the game where I'm just silent because um, I forgot I was supposed to be talking instead of just listening to them do their magic so um it was it was really fun and you can hear that episode now because it's actually out now so go look up uh role-playing guys and um, look out for that season finale of Caporia to hear me uh play another character um and I also now have a basic idea about playing the system Caporia which is kind of awesome and now less terrified of that so that's cool um and another one is that I had my second time homebrewing a uh, a one-shot game. I may have talked about this before. I'm not sure if I did. Um, I I made a homebrew based on the um, was it the coast book um, Goats of Salt Ghosts of Salt Marsh. Um, I read it and I just really wanted to play with it. I I needed um, shipwrecks and port towns and all of these amazing underwater battles in my life. So I made a uh, one shot called Adrift on Ruined Seas. Uh, what I thought was going to be three hours of play turned into five and my poor players were basically held hostage in this situation because we were recording and we needed to finish it and I felt so bad for them but they were incredible um at just playing through and making it work and still being hilarious and god just absolute stars so um I that will be dropping as part of Fate of Eisen's um podcast um a little mini series action for you and in fact you can get in on advanced listening to Adrift on Ruin says if you are one of Fate of Eisen's Patreon donors. So um, go look into that for just a dollar a month. You could be getting sweet, sweet advanced listening, coming and joining us in our Discord and having chats to us um, and basically just joining in on all the fun times of NZRPG over here. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, Oliver is really like that if you've listened to any Fate of Eisen. So come come see that for yourself in real life. It's really fun. Um, anyway, that was a massive learning curve doing Adrift on Ruin Seas. I thought I knew how to create a one-shot based on the first one that I did and all of the learning that I'd came off that. I should know better. You never stop learning. And I have learned a ton more. And I'm really looking forward to turning Adrift on Ruin says into some kind of a PDF that I can share with other people, which will be really, really fun. Um, I haven't forgotten that this time of the year is the spooky season. It's Halloween. It's just that New Zealand doesn't really do Halloween as such. There's no real traditions here in Halloween. Sure, we do the dressing up Halloween parties and 
there's candy everywhere and there's pumpkin plastic baskets but we don't really have pumpkins here that we carve it's not really a thing nobody really dresses up their houses and people don't really take their children to go trick-or-treating because knocking on strangers doors is weird and because not everybody celebrates it you can't even guarantee that behind every door is going to be any candy so Halloween is different for us. Halloween is just about kind of doing some scary stuff. There might be a local Halloween house or that you can go visit. And basically it's just parties at each other's houses where you dress up. So um, what I've usually end up doing on Halloween is staying at home, making myself a bucket of popcorn and watching some movies. So I thought in in the spirit of what I do on the spooky season, um, I would give you Jules's top 10 Halloween movies to watch on that scary night. And I want to specify that they're not all scary movies. Um, they mostly are, but there's some there that you would be like, huh? Um, and that's because they're just traditions, just things that I've grown up watching. Uh, um love to watch on that time and this time of the year vaguely related to things that are scary so I'm just gonna start and you can judge me later okay <laughs> um number 10 uh is actually the mummy series yep here we go the judging is beginning I can hear it I can't help it I love every second of the cheesy terrible effects and the even more terrible lines as they stumble their way into disaster at literally every turn with the series it doesn't make sense it's not super well researched but I love it where's my popcorn I want to listen to them all um number um nine is Van Helsing uh, werewolves, vampires, kick-ass female leads with tragic family curses. Need I say more? Oh, just wait, maybe just a little more. Because damn, Hugh, you're looking fine. And Kate, mm, so good. Uh, that's cosplayable. Absolutely. Uh, number eight is the another series, the Underworld series. Uh, more vampires, more werewolves more sweet falling in love stories with more strong kick-ass female leads like really it's very easy to see what's going on here with this uh number seven jaws it was the first scary movie i ever saw and i was super young um my uncle that was babysitting us thought it would be a great idea uh, and I ended up terrified of the ocean for way too long afterwards. But I also kind of love, fell in love with being scared. So I guess I have them to thank for a growing love um, of scary movies. So yeah. Uh, number six is arachnophobia. Arachnophobia. I'm terrified of spiders and even more terrifying these spiders that were used in this movie not the big one that's like the mummy spider or whatever but the little ones that go all over the houses and crawl out of the popcorn buckets and stuff those spiders are actually from New Zealand from Auckland New Zealand thank goodness not from Wellington but it's still New Zealand so it's all just a bit too real the real spiders I've met them in person um, just in a house they move fast they jump and although they're not very poisonous at all they're just sort of more itchy when you're bitten more than anything 
all I see when I see them is that movie. And now I'm so scared of them that I basically nearly die of fright every time. <laughs> it's not it's not good when they those are real uh, in, in your life. Um, number five, The Ring. Still genuinely terrifies me every time I watch it. We all know what's going on with The Ring. I'm not going to say any more because I just don't want it to turn up. Uh, the Saw series is number four. I know this movie, the series, isn't everybody's favorite and people argue that it's not really scary as such, but I still find my skin crawling in so many places that it definitely counts for me. It really doesn't matter that I've watched them all now and I know all of the twists. I still jump and I still can't look. And that needle's pit is like the stuff of nightmares. Oh my god. Number three. Casper. Yep, the partially animated family movie of a paranormal therapist employed to rid a house of ghosts and then finds a house full of hidden rooms and secrets. I enjoy the silly scares. I enjoy the tinge of sadness that permeates it through loss. I enjoy the cutesy love story. As a teenager, I was dying to dance with a good, with a gorgeous ghost boy. Um, or just really any boy at all, but like, oh, just the whole story just gets me and I watch it basically every Halloween. So again, feel free to judge me, but I do not regret saying that out loud. Okay, two, Alien or any of the Alien series. Uh, investigating distress calls from abandoned alien spaceships never goes well, right? It's a classic uh, and it has to be done. I would watch all of them if possible and then all of the Predator movies. I enjoy doing that slogging through of movies so, 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 so much. They are classics. They are amazing. They are all good. I don't want to hear your, yeah, but Predator blah, 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 sucks. Um, I love them all. Uh, and they all should be watched. Um, in fact, I'd love to hear your perfect order of what they should all be watched in order of. Like, which one's first, which one's second, which one's third. I Please tell me, because I am super keen to try that and see if that's my new favorite way. Um, and number one. This is probably going to be quite surprising to a lot of people, and maybe you haven't even heard of it. But... It's not my favorite because it's everybody's favorite. It's my favorite because it's my favorite. And it's Rose Red. Technically a miniseries by Stephen King. It makes for a super long movie, but I watch it every year. It's based on the Stephen King classic, Haunted House Story, where one of the characters is obsessed with the house and takes various psychically talented people into it in order to prove that paranormal exists. I love the characters, I love the story, and I'm in love with the house. I want to visit it. It reminds me a lot of kind of like haunted mansion kind of screwed upness, um, but it's even better. It's got funhouse style rooms and an ever-changing maze. You'd get lost super fast, and in fact they do and several times in the movie, but I would just hell to visit that house. Call me Ellen Rimbauer, but I understand sinking your life into something you love when love itself doesn't actually work out for you. So, Rose Red, my top recommendation for Halloween, as it turns out, and I do not regret that. All right, it's now time for my favorite part of this podcast now. Time to hear from the listeners. 
Today I got a right spoon of a call in. There's some stirring going on for sure and I'm so <laughs> here for it. So take it away Spencer. Jules Gems. Kia ora Jules, Spencer here. It's very interesting to hear the New Zealand perspective on the Queen uh, speaking um, generally I suppose from a, a British perspective. The Queen's very much a figurehead um a ceremonial position you know performing her queenly duties and um, we don't consider her to have much power in any real political sense um and the term half cut is one that's very familiar to british ears and i've got to say colin was quite possibly half cut when he left his message a little bit of dutch courage coming through there I wonder if he'd uh, be quite so brave if he hadn't have had a few drinks and wasn't 600 miles away. What do you say, Colin? Thanks, Spencer, for your calling and for the info about the Queen. I'm pleased to hear that half-cut is another thing that we share. I do love that term, though I hadn't actually realised that Colin was half-cut when he messaged in. I'm sure he'll have something to say about that accusation. <laughs> I'm loving the banter, boys. Honestly, I'm just pleased anyone is still listening. There were some shaky episodes there as I rushed to get them done in time for this weekly deadline that I've self-imposed. There's just so much that I want to share with you all, and my enthusiasm to share it all sometimes gets the way of the entertainment. So thanks for sticking with me, and I do hope that you continue to enjoy learning about my wacky country I live and getting to know me too. Um, my grandparents told me they're listening recently and keeping tabs on me uh, through the podcast as we don't get to see each other very often because um, we live at opposite ends of the North Island. So hi to Marion and David Banks. Um, so much love for you both and I can't wait to see you again soon. I know we're talking about Christmas. That's exciting to me. So yes, message me again soon. Um, also wanted to say another quick shout out to um, Scott and Stephanie from the RPG podcast Shocking Gasp, who are super great support and are always sharing my little crazy project about the place. Um, I appreciate you both so much and can't wait to hear more from Shocking Gasp when you guys are back from break. Um, go check them out. They're hilarious fun and they are great storytellers and just truly magnificent folks. So you should go and listen to Shocking Gasp. Um, as usual, uh, for the Anchorites, I've got a tag-on song to take us out. Nope, it's not the rest of Blackbird, which I sang at the top. Although I love that song, and I love the Beatles very much. I've actually made the Liverpool pilgrimage and even have the starting music notes of Blackbird actually tattooed on me. So that's a pretty permanent love. Um, but it's not New Zealand music and that means it's off my playlist. Uh, this week's New Zealand music is actually a nod towards some more famous New Zealand birds, the mutton birds. It's a New Zealand band established in 1991 in Auckland. They put out about 10 albums. The last one was in 2012. And the song that I'm playing today, Anchor Me, is one of my favourites. It's a sweet love song that the lead singer wrote about his wife. 
Um, it only made it to 10th in the charts in 1994 when it came out, but I really rate it. So those who aren't Anchorites can go check that out. It's on Spotify on the playlist that I made, also called Jules from NZ. So don't forget to vote for your bird of the year. Donate if you can or just share it if you can't. Every little bit helps. Don't forget to let me know about your top Halloween watching movies. I'd love to find a new Halloween tradition favorite. And listen out for loads of jewels doing RPG in all sorts of crazy podcast places. So, aroha nui, kakite anō, much love, and see you again real soon. Mwah!